0: fresh off the live show and ready to work this is season three episode nine and i'm here with the network connection critical mass host and my good buddy dan tracks his pick was 2004's romantic science fiction film eternal sunshine of the spotless mind starring jim carrey and kate winslet but before we get into that little housekeeping first uh, first, congrats to all the winners during the live show. If you missed it, don't worry. We still have a few drawings going on. Just go back, watch the recording on our YouTube or Facebook pages, and follow the instructions to enter. Winners will be notified. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited, et cetera, et cetera. Also, make sure you follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Letterboxd so you don't miss out on any future live shows or giveaways. Also, don't forget to check out Dan and Rocco over at Critical Mass Podcast. Find them on Facebook at Critical Mass Podcast 69 and Instagram at Critical Mass Podcast. Or check the description for a link. This is a big blockbuster movie, guys, so there's a lot to unpack with this one. Just sit back and enjoy. As without further ado, on with the show. I get this candid stuff. I love this stuff, though. Recording is going. Um... Man, I love I love just jumping right in. Do you guys do? I mean, I've been on your show a few times. You guys do a little bit of prep beforehand. Do you do that on repeat guests? Now, when you say prep, can you be more specific? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think you guys do kind of similar to what I do, is which you know, okay, turning pulling back the curtain a little bit on the podcast for the for the listeners. Um, I usually like to do a quick like five minute prep, you know, what to expect when you're a guest on the show, but I only do it on first time guests yeah and no, I, you don't I feel need like, to
1: do that for me yeah for sure i feel like i remember you way. guys
0: yeah you guys did a little prep for me like a quick five minutes but yeah
1: it depends on how rocco feels if he's trying to impress somebody he'll do prep for them like for you he definitely was going to we used to do it for almost every single guest when we first started because we were worried about being sued or at least he <laughs> pretended to be worried about being sued so we went over the whole like you can say something about a wealthy person, but then they'd have to disprove you. Or like, was, no one's gonna listen, dude. Let's just move on.
0: <laughs> I love the drink, by the way. Um Yeah, it, the the watered down fufu drink. Um, oh, and I, you know what? I'm gonna give I'm gonna give kudos where kudos are due. Congratulations to your cowboys on an amazing win last night.
1: It's <laughs> unreal, dude.
0: Now, it obviously. Listeners, uh, how about of congratulations
1: the show? for Chris Collinsworth and uh, what's his <laughs> name. For honestly, after that second half was after the first half was over, they continued to have to say something. Right, you got to fill the void I mean, with something. Award. They were just like, <laughs> honestly, because I, I recorded the second half because I, like I said, I got sick. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike, what is his name? Mike Tomlin? No, that's the, oh, the coach other, of the Steelers. The host. I don't remember. I don't remember. Or maybe it was, maybe it was the other guy. It came down towards the last few minutes and the clock began to ran to run. And he honestly was like, okay, the good news is the clock is running. <laughs> <laughs> he
0: couldn't wait to get out of there. Chris Collinsworth. The uh, listeners yeah. who are probably picking this up in March, um, you, they already know that the Cowboys lost the Super Bowl, um, unfortunately, but at least you made it there. That's good. Yeah. Thank you. I love that prognostication. <laughs> um so dan you know you you answered the call we had rocco on rocco was adamant that you had secretly told him that you wanted to be on the show um we were excited to hear that because you I, i'm assuming you knew season three is, is a hardcore season for the guests um yeah. we gave you guys the challenge That uh, you're going to pick a movie that you hope will get into the top 10 at the end of the season when we do the YouTube video. And you picked 2004's romantic science fiction film, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, starring Jim Carrey uh, from Bruce Almighty and A Series of Unfortunate Events. Kate Winslet from The Life of David Gale and Finding Neverland. And I'm going to throw in Kirsten Dunst, uh, Mona Lisa Smiles and Spider-Man 2, and Mark Ruffalo. Uh, We Don't Live Here Anymore and 13 Going on 30. Tell me why you picked the movie. What What is your connection to it? Well, when
1: you announced that you were uh, starting to record season three, you said guests on the show need to bring it this season. It's all about trying to get into that top 10. And so I said to myself, well, look, if I'm going to go on the show again, which I definitely want to, I'm going to, I'm going to bring the heat. And I had narrowed it down to three movies. Ooh. Um, And I said, I got to, I got to go for the jugular. Um, If I'm going to get into the top 10 of this season, or maybe all time, was it all time for gutsy media? Yeah, It's it's
0: all time. Yeah.
1: (sighs) The bar just got higher. Um, (laughs) Can I, can I I I ask something? What were the three movies? Oh God. So it was going to be the secret life of uh, Walter Mitty. Oh, eternal sunshine. And I forget what the third one was. We can look it up uh, maybe later, but Anyways, I I just felt like Eternal Sunshine is one of my favorite movies, and
0: it's truly unique. I, I will give you that; it's a very unique movie, which obviously we will go into. Um, now, did you rewatch it for the for the cast? Just yeah, just today. I love that, because see, some, some of my guests don't re-watch the film. Listen, no pressure re-watch it don't rewatch. it. It's your film. It's your episode. Um, I prefer to re-watch it. I try to do it as close to the recording as possible, um, uh, usually within, the, within a week, and I actually watched this two days ago. I had seen it once before, many years ago, not when it first came out, but probably 2010, 2012, sometime in that time frame. And I remember thinking it was an OK movie. Um, I will say this. I completely forgot the all-star cast that's in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, heavily advertised Jim Carrey, Kate Winslet, but we also got Elijah Wood, Mark Ruffalo, Kirsten Dunst, David Cross makes an appearance. Tom Wilkinson <laughs> makes an appearance. It. It's it's a pretty big cast.
1: Yeah, it's a very good cast.
0: Now, did you see it when it first came out?
1: Uh, no, but I do remember seeing it just a few years after. Um, and it 's one of those movies that takes a few times before you really start to grasp it. I can remember feeling like when I watched it today that there 's no way I completely grasped everything that was going on the first go around there 's just no way
0: yeah it 's a lot for sure yeah. um let 's uh let 's throw up the uh, the the baseball card if you will with the stats uh released on march nineteenth two thousand and four The movie has a runtime of 108 minutes, which is about an hour and 48 minutes, which, perfect. A long-time listeners of the cast will know that I love a movie between an hour and a half and two hours, and this is almost dead nuts in the middle. So, perfect time. Budget, $20 million. Box office, care to take a guess? (sighs) Okay,
1: spoiler alert. When I watched it today on Peacock, they gave you the Rotten Tomatoes score.
0: Right, which is an issue we have with Peacock. We have letters <laughs> into the uh, sorry into customer service, but, um, uh, but we'll I am com- we I see we have we have some some ways of going around that. So we're, I think we're all good. right, good, good. Um, but I am
1: d- in the dark on whether what it did in box office. I would have to assume it did not make twenty million dollars.
0: Seventy four million dollars. Oh, this movie was a reasons. huge hit, three times its budget, um, wow. which is which is all, by all means a success, especially yeah. for. I mean, I don't want to call it an indie film. It's a $20 million budget, but I would say not a blockbuster. Well,
1: Focus Features really did uh, a whole ton of indie films, especially in the early to mid aughts. They were known for their indie films. So I mm-hmm. think they had a name. So when you saw a preview with Focus Features as the, the headline shot, you knew you were getting something you know, good. Right. I mean, at least that's how I felt in 2004. You know, I, was a, I was a college student.
0: Right. So that made a lot of sense to me. No, but that brings up a good point. So, you know, we have blockbusters, which I would assume um, describe most, you know, you got your Marvel movies. These are are huge budget movies projected to get, you know, $1 billion. Then you have indie films, which are relatively low budget, typically no-name actors. What do you call the stuff in between? Right. Right. I I I, would call it like a big
1: indie film. A big indie you know, film. Yeah, I think I, there. I, more and more, you're seeing these actors and actresses taking on roles that are not blockbuster films, in smaller screens, et cetera, and they they tend to do well. I mean, if you can pull in a cast like that, yeah, you 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 better do well. Yeah,
0: you know? for sure. And, and like you mentioned, focus features. They were uh, the distributor of the film, produced by Anonymous Content, and this is that, directed by Michael Gondre. Um, uh, he did Be Kind Rewind which I love (laughs) and he did uh, the green Hornet outside of those two Mm. movies. He basically directed music videos. No, I didn't know that. Yeah. I mean, lots of music videos, like a ton, a ton of music videos. Mm. Um, He teams up with uh, Piri Bismuth, which I'm totally probably pronouncing wrong um, to be writers on this film. They get the idea from, Uh, a 1998 conversation they had about what happened what would happen if memory could get erased would you erase somebody um so they they come up with the idea for the film they get the title of the film from a 17th century poem then memento comes out and they get a little fear Ah. because they are afraid they're going to be compared to another memory film so they kind of rewrite the script and they say the timeout yeah These,
1: Bob, these are the nuggets that people came in for. Okay. I, I appreciate mark it. Man. this down and put this in your next ad. Okay. <laughs> these are the nuggets people
0: want to hear. I'm, I am full of nuggets, my friend. Keep going. So they rewrite the script and they decide they're going to focus more on the relationship than the science. Hmm. And they're going to hope that differentiates them. Tagline for the film. I already forgot how I used to feel about you. It is rated R for language some drug and sexual content um yeah I, this this movie comes out it does huge opening weekend's pretty good it's, it's a limited release um so it's it's huge release in perspective with the number of theaters it had it goes on uh to win best original screenplay at the academy awards uh kate winslet also gets nominated for best actress golden globes they get a nomination for best motion picture they get a nomination for Best Screenplay. They get a nomination for Best Actor and Actress. Here's my issue, though. All nice. those nominations come in the category of musical or comedy, which mm. this movie, in my opinion, does not fit in either one of those categories.
1: I think it's hard to categorize the movie at all, especially when Ooh, you are doing it at the beginning of the episode um but you did mention rom. did you say romance or romantic comedy
0: romantic science fiction film is what it's listed so, as on the internet which is just so odd but i I, th- I think
1: i think i would agree that it's less about the science fiction and more about the romance it's about this connection that these two have so but we call can, it a comedy yeah, we, right we could agree sorry. it's not a musical or comedy right ridiculous it's certainly not a musical they should get back although to the, the, the score uh that was underlying at least through the the uh third act of the film Mm -hmm. i think it was beautiful but still it's not a musical whatsoever maybe they just (laughs) it could have been one of those years where they just were like okay this movie has to get credit but we've also got to give the brad pitt movie credit too right they
0: paid they paid for it so we have to give it to them so right let's move them to a musical and comedy and they're like yeah it sounded great sure um, so let's get right into it. I mean, the movie starts off uh, in a kind of an odd way. We got Jim Carrey waking up, goes out to his car. You know, he does some, some. I don't even remember, running around. He ends up bumping into Kate Winslet on the subway. They kind of hit it off. Um, they got kind of this flirtatious feel going on. I will say this, though. Right off the bat, Kate Winslet is a crazy person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If yeah. you meet her on the subway, you I'm not talking to her. She's insane. yeah, yeah. yeah. Are you? I think, this, I think
1: we've all met people like that character,
0: though. Oh, for sure. I married one. It was and great.
1: I, well, there you have it. I actually <laughs> dated someone very similar to that, so I, I really connected to Jim's character, where he was just sort of trying to deal with her at first. You know? Yeah, I
0: mean, what do you what do you think of Jim's character? He he plays kind of an loved introvert it. here, a little loved
1: shy. It. Yeah, loved it. Look, cards on the table here, folks. This is an emo film. This is a melancholy. Like soak in the sadness, type of film. Well and said. I, you know, I think if you're a certain type of person, you're just not going to like it, uh, which is fine. But for me, and certainly the history that I've had with my relationships, um, man, it it struck a chord. Jim's Jim's character, I really liked. I mean, there's part of him that wanted me to, or part of me that wanted him to just break out of that that introverted shell a little mm-hmm. bit more stop mm-hmm. being so much of a of a pussy if you will. I know this was a PG uh podcast now it's PG13. Yeah, I'm you sorry. totally
0: just ruined um, everything.
1: But I think that makes you connect more. It makes you get in cuz then it makes you connect more with Kate Winslet's character where it's like she wants to push him, like, come on, stop saying nice all the time. Why are you being nice? I'm not nice. Don't be nice.
0: Here, here's what I will say. I think I do agree with you that I think uh, his character being an introvert and her character being so much of an extrovert and, and kind of a, a loud character mm-hmm. um, does kind of play into why the relationship seems so passionate i mean it's a it's a pretty crazy relationship and and we get to see it kind of in reverse and we'll get into that in a little while but um i I guess what i'm seeing these two connect on the subway um you get the sense that they kind of go from strangers to friends very quickly Uh, by the end of their little flirtation session um they wind up going back to her place Right. I mean, like there's a, there's a whole chain of events where I believe they go somewhere else first, but at the end of the day, they wind up back at her place so she can pick up some stuff because they're going to go to Jim's place for the night. Right. And she goes inside to get some stuff and he's kind of out in the car and and you get this sense that he's kind of like, holy shit, like, this is awesome. This girl seems crazy. Like, what am I doing? Like, this is nuts. Right. And then Elijah Wood's character walks up, his name's Patrick, and he comes over and he taps on the window and he's kind of like, what, what are you doing here? Mm Mm-hmm. Now I'm I'm putting myself in Jim Carrey's position which is I think why they kind of show this this interaction in the beginning of the film because you have no idea who he is. You really have no idea who Jim Carrey is or Kate Winslet's character is. You just know these are kind of three strangers and this random guy comes up and is like what are you doing here and he answers kind of how you think how I think I would which is like what I'm what do you mean? I'm just I'm parked here waiting for somebody. And Elijah Wood kind of like accepts the answer and walks off. You I, I am so confused by this movie at this point. Yeah. Do you do you remember watching it for the first time, not knowing like the the reveals? Like, how did you well, feel? If I could make a
1: an educated guess, I would assume that when I watched it, I was I knew that I was in for a ride. Right. And so, when something like that happens, you typically say, okay, "I'm going to put a pin in that. Right. That'll be explained later." You know, this is not a typical movie where things happen and they're they're explained well
0: so. here here's my other issue is i think um a lot of times you know when you walk into a movie whether it's opening night or even later on even worse when it's later on you kind of have a good idea of what the plot already is i mean yeah you might have some of these like mystery movies where you, know, you get you know, loop, you know thrown for a loop or something but yeah you got to assume this movie's about memory erasing so I'm kind of already getting the idea that, oh, maybe Jim Carrey and, and Kate Winslet's character knew each other at some point. Maybe there is some sort of memory erasing here. Now, I will tell you what threw me for a loop, even with that kind of in the back of my head, Yeah, was about 18 minutes into the film, we get the opening credits.
1: Yes, I noticed that. I find that um, that's not something that's typically done, especially back then. But nowadays, I find it happening more and more in TV. Right. In streaming service t- uh, television uh, shows, you find that there's like this huge delay right. until the opening credits. Um, and at first, I was caught off guard by that, watching it again. I was like, oh, wow, you're right. All of a sudden, there's opening credits. But then it's sort of interesting why they chose that minute marker because I, I loved it. Okay. So, why do you think? Well, because obviously, that first opening section was not, in fact, the opening section it was the end of the
0: movie right and now i i will say back. i didn't i didn't i didn't go to the point where i thought it was the end but i did think okay if i'm getting the opening c- credits this is the beginning i am mm. watching the, the what i just watched was not the beginning maybe it's the right. middle probably the end right. but this is the beginning and it's kind of it kind of really it kind of is yeah. the, the beginning of the film if you will or at the 18 minute mark jim carrey is going through a very rough breakup it seems him Rying and his car i mean yeah
1: that's what i did to come here
0: so, <laughs> you know i heard you outside you could have just came in weeping just um perfect. Yeah, he's he's very upset. He's you know clearly distraught. He makes comments and actually goes to a friend's house, which is uh, you know played by David Cross, and, and and talks about how him and and Kate Winslow's character, her name is Clementine, how him and Clementine got into a fight, and he's just gonna make up with her, and you know yada yada yada, and that's when his friend says, "I gotta tell him," because the friend's girlfriend's there too, so he's kind of talking to the girlfriend. I gotta tell him. I gotta tell him what we just got. And he pulls out this card that basically says Clementine has had Jim Carrey's character Joel had Joel erased from her memory. Yeah. Now, which
1: explains he he had just gone to the library or the Barnes and Nobles where she worked.
0: Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot say, about that here's, scene. Yeah,
1: here's my gift that I want to give you to make up. Right. She didn't know who she was. Now he's completely distraught. Sees this guy that she's kissing, which is out. Elijah, Elijah Wood. Wood goes back to his friend's house and says, what the fuck is going on? I don't understand. So that's, that's where you begin to see, okay, she did it first. Right. That's why Jim's confused.
0: Right. So she has no idea who Jim is when Jim comes to visit her. And we also get the take of who Elijah Wood is. So we see Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood at this point is kind of just her new boyfriend, I guess. The, the guy she's moved on with. So you get the idea of why he would be at her place, why he would show up at her place, you know, but now I'm confused. I'm like, was that in the past? Was that in the future? Is Elijah would, you know, if if it was in the future, then he must get his memory erased too, which is kind of what happens. He goes to the place on the card, gets the whole details about what happened with her, how she got her memory erased. The, The doctor there played by Tom Wilkinson, um, basically i can't really i can't really tell you everything client you know uh doctor privilege but i mm-hmm. can tell you she underwent this procedure that that, are, that essentially erases you from her memory and we do this as a service that we provide yada 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 so jim carrey's character kind of says you know you're gonna do it i'm gonna i'm gonna do it too you know screw you um, what's good for the goose is good for the gander and at this point the the movie actually relatively seems straightforward you know mm-hmm yeah what do you like let me ask you this question you get the card from a girlfriend you recently broke up with are you hurt are you upset do you understand are you doing it too oh that's a good
1: question would i do the same thing that joel did no i don't think that i would um because of what he went through um as this as the story unfolds he realizes that when you erase all the bad memories, you're erasing the good ones too. Right. Um, and that goes back to the quote of the movie that I think may be misusing the quote. I think the quote is more about, um, you know, ignorance is bliss mm-hmm. uh, to a certain extent. But in this case, I think the movie was, was trying to bend the quote to mean, you know, you, you can't have the good without the bad. And, and, you know, you think everything's fine and dandy without pain, but it isn't. Um, So I I think that that was a beautiful message. And yeah, I, I, as Joel, I would have to hesitate before I did that. I mean, there were so many good times, you know, God, although, God damn it, Bob, now I'm really going back feels (laughs) here. There are people in my past that I do kind of wish I could just erase. Yeah. You know, it's hard. It's really hard because then you d- dive into the whole, do you regret things in your life? And then, you know, you're supposed to say no, that you don't regret things because they the, taught you things. But that is like, the
0: most it, ridiculous I, argument I've okay. ever heard in my life. Okay, of course good. you regret Let's things. Indulge. If you could replay okay. your life, knowing what you know now, you wouldn't change anything? I mean, I it's kind of the same question, question every right? Day. I don't know. Because of course random- you would. But the timeline changes.
1: Okay, listen. You
0: where you were, yeah, and and then Loki pops out with variants. Like, I mean, I get it. Exactly, I get the repercussions. But I mean, still, though, I, how could you not? How could you not?
1: I know. If a wizard came to down to, really and said, "I can do it.
0: I can put you back at eighteen with the memory you have now." Oh my god! It right.
1: If I knew now. I knew then what I knew now. Yeah. yikes.
0: I I will say this though. So the the, talking about differences in timelines. um, Let's talk about what this movie would be if the original actors they wanted got selected. For example, uh, Nick Cage was the original choice to play Joel, but uh, Cage was unavailable as he was in high demand from independent directors after his performance in Leaving Las Vegas. I couldn't. I could kind of see Cage. I could. I could see Cage in this role, Um, especially a younger Cage before Mm -hmm. he became like really the the meme he is now. Yeah, I could see that. What about Seth Rogen auditioning for the role of Patrick, played by Elijah Wood? That's Uh, that actually makes sense to me. I'm not a. I'm not a Seth Rogen fan. I don't think he's a good actor. I definitely don't think he's a good dramatic actor.
1: Probably not a good dramatic actor. You're probably right about that. I just like the guy personally. And I can see him playing a bit of a creep, you know, the yeah. whole stealing her panties thing, being good at tech, yeah. you know, being a bit of a, a, loner, um, even a psycho standing outside her door waiting for her. But you're right. As far as the dramatic stuff goes, I don't think
0: he's there. What about, uh, Denzel Washington who turned down the role of Joel? What? Yeah. I, no, no. Listen, Denzel Washington's a phenomenal actor. And do I think he could play this role for sure? But it's a different movie then, and it's yeah, it's not a different. yeah. I'm not not feeling it.
1: Yeah, no way.
0: Um, I will say this though: so uh, some comments on Kate Winslet playing Clementine. Obviously, not her typical role. Um, she's typically at this point in her career playing like timepieces. Obviously, most well known for Titanic. Yeah. Like I said, she just came off uh, Life with David Gale. Have you seen that movie? No great movie um and then after this she's doing finding neverland so she receives a role after she was the only actress to offer criticism on the script instead of pandering to the writers after another actor won an oscar the studio attempted to make the director use her instead of winslet up for the role of clementine but the director threatened to walk off the project if that occurred during filming the director took winslet to a separate room to coach her and she wore wigs instead of dyeing her hair Some commentators noted how Clementine's character criticizes the Manic Pixie Dream Girl stock character several years before the film critics uh, coined the phrase. Most commentators discuss one particular example of demonstrating this criticism, wherein Clementine warns Joel she is flawed, quote, too many guys think I'm a concept or I complete them or I'm going to make them alive but i'm just a fucked up girl who's looking for her own peace of mind don't assign me yours end quote i love that line yeah such great writing right
1: there it's the nail on the head too 100 percent. i think that encapsulates so many women of my past and would not just that but i mean
0: (laughs) rocco um but no it's 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 a direct attack to the movie trope, you know, the wild girl who dyes her hair and lives life to the fullest. And then you got this square guy who finds her and, you know, she teaches him how to live. And, and they wrote Kate Winslet's character, Clementine as a direct attack to that. Listen, I'm wild and crazy because I'm fucking crazy and I'm trying to get my shit together and I'm not here to bail you out of your boring life. And I love that line. I love that.
1: Yeah, well said. Uh, didn't Joel allude to that being a great line of hers cuz he like finishes the quote in his own memory? Right. Yep. He says he alludes to it being really great. Yeah, he says I remember I remember when you said that. Yeah. Which is great.
0: Yeah, I mean, so so that this is really where the movie kind of takes off. Um, the procedure that, that, uh, Joel is going to get is going to happen in his house. So he's got to go home. He's got to scrounge together all of the stuff that reminds him of Clementine, bring it in. And they're going to use that to map his brain. Then they're going to come in in the middle of the night while he's sleeping and erase her so that when he wakes up, it's like, she never existed. Now, as soon as they say that, as soon as they say, when he wakes up, it's like, she never existed. I immediately flash back to the beginning of the movie right. and I'm like, got it so that's what happens so now at this point i'm thinking I, I already i've already seen the ending i know the beginning because of the opening credits mm-hmm. the middle is just them erasing her that's it that's right. the whole movie There's like let me check my watch there's like an hour of movie left what is gonna right. what is gonna possibly happen in this film but what you think is the ending is not the whole ending right so yeah we'll definitely talk about that as well um so this is when uh, the proverbial shit hits the fan. Mark Ruffalo comes over in the middle of the night. Jim Carrey takes like a pill. You see him kind of stumble. Like within seconds of taking the pill, he's kind of stumbling through his, his kitchen and uh, kind of presumably passes out. Mark Ruffalo shows up with Elijah Wood. They are the techs from this company. The company's name is Lucina. I'm probably not pronouncing that right. Lucan, Lucana, Lucana. Lucana? I, I say it with Is a it hard s- C. Yeah, good but call. Yeah. It's Latin for cavity ho- or hollow. Huh. all right. Um, so they're the two texts. They show up, and and right off the bat, I'm kind of piecing together Elijah Wood though. and. Um, You know, him and Mark Ruffalo have a whole bunch of conversations, but it's basically a way of of providing the audience with some more information, which is the idea that these two, you know, I'll I'll call them idiots. These two morons (laughs) were the team that erased Clementine's memory, during which time Elijah Wood becomes infatuated with her. And listen, I am using the word infatuation very loosely. What he becomes (laughs) with her is creepy beyond creepy. Full on it's Donald Trump mode. mode. <laughs> he yeah. tells like
1: Steel Dossier type stuff.
0: Right. He tells Ruffalo that while at her house erasing her memory, mm-hmm. he steals some of her panties. And then to take it one step further, plans kind of this like bump in to her and and basically tries to date her, does date her, like winds up mm-hmm. seeing her a few times, they hit it off and Even crazier, now that Jim Carrey, now that Joel has come into the company to get his memory erased and brought all of his stuff in, he's now using some of Joel's stuff to woo Clementine because you got to figure he already knows this works. Yeah. So to be specific,
1: Joel's character has a diary and writes a lot of stuff in his journal, uh, illustrates things, and all of that evidence was literally brought to the company. Right. So now now uh, Elijah Wood's character has access to all of these things, these intimate details between Joel and Clementine.
0: Right. So
1: he can use those to his advantage.
0: So now we get the idea of why Elijah Wood shows up in the beginning of the film and is so freaked out of why Joel is there, because you got to assume both these characters had their memory erased. Right. So why are they together again? Right. But, uh, so uh, Clementine calls Elijah Wood and Elijah Wood leaves um, and is uh, more or less out of out of the movie for pretty much the remainder. Um, well, well, actually, we'll get into what happens to him and he goes to see Clementine and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. before he leaves, Cri- uh, Kirsten Dunce's character shows up. She's the secretary at this company. So she's obviously worked with Mark Ruffalo. They've kind of hit it off. You don't really know the relationship between them, but clearly they're going to be in Joel's house by themselves and she's not there as a tech. She's there to just hang out with him. They they end up starting to drink, and they're having a good time, and they're partying. They get down to their little skivvies, and you got to assume that they're you know probably banging it out over Joel's lifeless body, which is, again, kind of creepy. Bizarre. So- hey, come take a seat at the campfire. You're not the only one who joins. I've got friends that come over sometimes, too. We talk about a ton of interesting things from geek culture. Then we cover some conspiracies or philosophical thoughts or monsters, you know? We talked about bigfoot in one episode it's a lot of fun so come join me at the campfire chats a defat entertainment podcast hosted on spotify and other fine places you find podcast what you don't realize is that it ain't easy it is hard goddamn work making something looks like a geek so i must be doing it for a reason it's you it's always been you and it's worth fighting. All you have to to do with the time that is given today. Join me, Gutsy Media Podcast, because movies are our life.
1: So yeah, there's there's things like that that give me anxiety that bother me. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just kind of like why why would you be so stupid and careless? You know, these two characters are so fucking dumb, and it makes you think like Does this kind of thing happen all the time. know how how, for sure with like surgeries and stuff well i I just mean out of those characters and and this pretend world that we're
0: living in like do they do that for every patient Um, so this is great i want to i want to write i want to read off a few of the notes i made um because i said that uh i said she drinks a lot the um, clementine seems to be drinking a lot the ending is very predictable i wrote that halfway through my notes and then i have another page and a half of notes because it's clearly not (laughs) I said, it bothers me that the techs aren't taking this seriously. They're acting like (laughs) children while trying to play with somebody's brain, which is 100% true. They're they're literally dancing in their underwear over Joel's body as this procedure is happening. And Mark Ruffalo makes a comment um, kind of in passing that he's got the computer on autopilot, which the computer is essentially going into his brain and zapping these memories. Now, I'm not sure if the techs know this or not, but What is caught with what's happening in Joel's brain is he's reliving these memories as they're being erased. So, if you can imagine a horrible relationship lived backwards, he's got all these fights in the beginning, and the fights slowly fade and go into these magical moments that you have with a boyfriend or girlfriend or significant other. They've been dating for two years, you have two years of memories that it's erasing. could you imagine living your last major relationship prior to your wife in reverse yeah it's it's it's
1: just a in my mind a beautiful concept it was it was beautifully done they do a lot of camera tricks in it as well mm-hmm. um sort of unique in that sense but the concept alone of just is essentially having a lucid dream where you wake up in the middle of the dream and realize what's going on and begin mm-hmm. to have control yeah um, exactly and very very well said he begins to to realize what's happening. He he gains control of the situation not easily. Um, and then beautifully, I think Clementine starts to be on his side and is also aware of what's happening. Um, so almost in every scene that he's aware of it, he has to remind her of what's happening. Right. And then it gets to the point where she's actually egging him on. She's like, No, 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 you've got to go somewhere. Dark, or you got to go somewhere right. sad. You got to, you know, somewhere embarrassing. <laughs> Excuse be found.
0: Me. Yeah. Um, so, so he's, she's kind of like his subconscious almost, or, or yeah. like a construct, I guess. um But yeah, I mean, they're erasing the memories that she exists in. So her, her thought process is take me to a memory that is, you know, so, so far away from a memory of me and kind of hide me there. And yeah. they do, they do that in, in kind of a great and weird way. They go to a memory from his childhood and she's there. Um, I, I could take it or leave it, but it, what's weird is the movie is splitting its time between the destruction of these memories and the slowly s- slow unravel of Joel's want to get rid of Clementine. Cause as he's reliving these memories and realizing some of the good that came with it and some of these things that he's going to lose, he starts kind of talking out loud and saying he doesn't want to do it anymore. He's changed his mind. He wants him to stop. And my immediate thought was, <clears throat> I don't know if you've ever you know, watched any of these documentaries on like the people that commit suicide off the bridge. The Golden Gate Bridge is a great documentary. I forgot the name of it. Um, but I think it starts off in the preview with a, a guy who survived. And he's like, there's been 22 people since, I don't know, 2000. And I'm, I'm making up numbers. Um, that have survived <laughs> a suicide attempt off the Golden Gate Bridge. And every single one of them will tell you that their first thought after leaving the railing is I don't want to do this anymore. I've changed my mind. Wow. And that was my first, that was my first flash when he says this, when he says, you know, I've changed my mind. I, I give up, because at this point, how, how anxiety, even just watching it, I got such great anxiety mm-hmm. that he's trapped reliving these amazing memories, knowing that they're being wiped from his brain and there's nothing he can do to stop it because he's, he's essentially comatose
1: right screaming. he was he was on the ice screaming yeah I, the screaming asking for it to stop um the fights that they got into all these there were very see i've always thought jim carrey was actually a very good dramatic actor some comedians can really pull off a dramatic scene well, robin williams was maybe the best for a comic to become dramatic actor. I agree. Jim Carrey in my mind has a lot of these little nuances and things about his face that he does that. I just, I mean, I'm biased because I grew up loving Jim Carrey, but mm-hmm. I can admit when a lot of great comics I see on the screen, just don't pull it off. And for me, he does. And that that's a great example there. He's on the ice. He realizes, please just stop, just stop, just stop. Um, I will say this. Heartbreaking.
0: There are, I gave him a lot of credit for, for doing the more dramatic roles, especially as his career has gone on. Um, Cause he, I mean, he had it made in his, he, Jim Carrey was a legend when he came to comedy, he is a legend when it comes to comedy roles. Um, so I give him a lot of credit for trying other genres. I will say that I don't think it's always a home run. Hmm. Um, the, number 23 was a pretty decent movie. I think the writing could have been better, but it wasn't his acting. I think in this movie, he does a good job. But I also don't think he's in the spotlight the entire movie. Um, I think there's such a large supporting cast and so many um, layers to the story of this film that I, th- I think that does that. That's good for him um, not to have the whole movie writing on to him
1: burden that weight
0: Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So while this is happening and he's trying to move uh, Clementine around in his memories the computer is having a hard time obviously finding the memory now and erasing it. So the computer starts spitting out error messages to which uh, Mark Ruffalo's character gets a little freaked out. And once he realizes that he really can't do much to fix it, he calls the doctor um, again, played by Tom Wilkinson who says, okay, you know, I'll be right over and we'll fix this. Now he's got to do a mad dash to kind of clean up the house because he's an idiot and, and has beer all over the place. And, um, you know, he has to explain why Elijah Wood isn't there, uh, which let's, let's flash back to that. So he goes over to Clementine, who's having a, a mild crisis, tries to calm her down. They end up you know, running off together to the same frozen lake that, he, that she had brought Joel to, to which uh, Patrick, Elijah Wood, um, tries to spit out a, a Joelism, if you will. Right. And this causes her to kind of freak out. Um, she kind of loses it on him. Do you, what do you, what are your well, because, thoughts? Yeah, this is an integral,
1: integral scene. He literally mimics. Right. Line for line, word for word. What Joel's character said about this being the happiest moment of his life, etc. cetera. This awakens something in her subconscious. Right. Remember she's erased him already. And now if we're to assume that, that Joel and Clementine are, you know, soulmates or men for each other or have some cosmic bond, that's not something that you can simply erase. That's kind right. of the point of the movie. So when he says that exact line, it awakens something in her. She sits right up like a stiff as a board and says, I have to go and books it. it, it it's, it's a very uh, important scene because it's when her character realizes I'm done with this fucking dude. Right. Something else is going on. I've got to figure it out. I think
0: Kate Winslet does a phenomenal job. Not just in this scene, but in the movie. Um, again, her character, her her and Jim Carrey's character are put up in a lot of the advertising and in the previews as like the main characters in the movie. And and I I understand the argument. I agree that I think that they're the main characters. But when you talk about main characters, typically main characters are gonna get, you know, 80 to 90 percent of the screen time and the, you know, the main points of the plot. I would say that they only have about half a movie worth of plot and they have maybe 40 to 50% of the screen time. So while they are the main characters, I'm getting sidetracked. My point is, is I think Kate Winslet does a great job in this scene of expressing panic. Mm. You, you you get this sense that she is having severe deja vu. Like she doesn't remember Joel, but she, Mm. she is freaked out by how, weird this scene is for her you know how, yeah. how 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 it feels for her so she freaks out and she leaves yeah so um mark ruffalo's character stan is his name he's got to explain to the doctor why elijah wood isn't there um and you also get the sense that kirsten dunce's character her name is mary <clears throat> she kind of flirts with the doctor she's she's very complimentary of him and almost and right in front of uh of stan so it's, yeah. it's a little weird. You kind of yeah. feel uncomfortable. Um, and he, then unexpectedly, Stan decides, okay, well, it looks like the doctor's got this. I'm going to leave, which threw me for a little bit of a loop. Well, he says he's going to go outside and clear his head. He's going to go for a walk or he's going to yeah, his jacket on. Yeah, yeah. So he's not going to leave, but he, he's you get the sense that he's not going to be back immediately. <clears throat> to which, mary and the doctor are left alone and mary starts really hitting on the doctor and then gets up and walks over and tries to kiss him and then the doctor's wife shows up outside where stan is standing and stan proceeds to kind of did did you get the sense that stan called the wife no
1: i did not no um i think you know, the wife knows about the history between the two that you're about to bring up. Right. And furthermore, you, you see the wife, um, when, when Stan, no, when the doctor receives the phone call that Stan's mm-hmm. fucked up and needs help, the wife kind of, the way that she looks at her husband was in a very knowing way. Like, right. Hmm, here we go again. Right. So I, I feel like she had her suspicions anyways.
0: Okay. I, I kind of got the sense that Stan might, you know, kind of feel for Mary feels like the doctor's in the way things I can, I can do an anonymous phone call, but, but either, either are very plausible. They don't really don't explain either one. All that we know is that the doctor's wife sees the doctor and Mary making out in the window, freaks out, obviously. um, And kind of hints that this is not the first time that this has happened Mm -hmm. and drives off. We then get the big reveal Mary and the doctor have had an affair before, and Mary had her memory erased to forget the doctor. Mm-hmm. The doctor more or less explains this to her, and then kind of says, "I've got to you know attend to this guy, Joel." And Mary leaves. She's upset right. and she leaves. Um The doctor fixes Joel, gets all the memories, and uh, packs up they pack up their stuff and they leave as well. So we then get Joel waking up going on the subway meeting Clementine and the rest of that kind of opening happening. So you're now you understand why Elijah Wood shows up, why he's a little freaked out, but then it continues. Now here's what I have in my notes. Um, I have at that point, let me get to it. I said, the beginning equals the end. And then in parentheses, I said, it should have ended here. Okay. So you mean at the point where Elijah is confronting Joel? At, at the not even not even that far at the point where Joel wakes up, you know oh. we we get the same scene in the beginning as the end, and you can essentially watch the movie in a loop, and it huh. should have ended. Now I will say this: I wrote that before watching the rest of it. Okay, so at that point I'm thinking it's like Inception. You know, you can rewatch the movie; it's on this loop. It should have ended. Yeah. All the memories are released. Is my next note? Mary goes to the doctor's office in the in the night to find her file she finds it gets all the information uh and I, I want I want to come back to this point too later with some some additional facts i have for you um and then decides to steal everybody else's files okay. and mail the files to the people so that's what was happening i was
1: very confused if those were all her files because they've happened to her so many times or what? Or they're just a handful of people's. Well, there's
0: a throwaway line earlier in the film where Joel has brought all of Clementine's stuff to the office, and and Mary's behind the counter and she's taking phone calls, and she makes a comment to somebody on the phone, uh, basically apologizing, saying that they have a limit of three times per person, and that oh. they couldn't. So it, it's a throwaway line that only happens once, but you kind of get this idea there's a cap as to how many times that we can erase somebody's memory. But um, regardless, she steals the file. She mails the files out to all the people or or puts them in the mailboxes or whatever. Um, Clementine, who's inside getting her stuff while Joel's waiting in the car, gets her file. Now, I wrote on here, um, she's she's reading the file to Joel in the car. And they actually listen to a tape, the recording that Clementine makes about basically why she wants to erase Joel. So it's nothing but how awful Joel is and how he's boring and I'm tired of him and blah, 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 blah. Now uh, I want to I want to kind of fast forward real quick. Joel goes home and he gets his file as well and listens to his tape. And Clementine actually makes him like play it out loud so they can both hear it because uh, it says equally as bad stuff about her.
1: Yeah. My question said to it's you only fair.
0: My question to you: You meet a stranger, very intriguing. You're instantly attracted to her. You guys hit it off, and you find out that this is an ex of yours. That you had a long relationship with, but you ultimately erase from your memory. Now you have no memory of this, yeah. no memory of any of the bad times, but you know what happened. Right. Do you do it again? I think so. I think if I'm in Joel's
1: shoes and clearly there's some sort of connection there that they can't, they can't shake. Right. You know, um,
0: then yeah because that's what it is right that's the existential question the movie's leaving leaving you with is if you knew that the relationship was going to end badly or or rather did end badly would you, you were do it ask,
1: again would you would you continue to play the cassette tape out loud that's basically you trashing the other person <laughs>
0: <laughs> i would hey listen let's get the cards on the table let's figure out <laughs> right. exactly what happened the first time yeah so i then i wrote here would you do it again in parentheses should have ended there but the movie continues even more.
1: Mm.
0: And they said yeah. they they answer that question for you because they wind up giving it another shot. Yeah, I think they should have left it leave it left it open ended. Okay, fair enough. I think there's lots of
1: examples of great movies that that leave things open ended, um, and I'm not one of those people that needs it to be either or. Okay, um, you know. I, I never watched The Sopranos, but for some reason I watched the final scene. Um, and I like the way they ended The Sopranos. You know? Mm-hmm. It's fine. It's fine by me. Maybe because I didn't have any connection to the characters. There's plenty of examples in Hollywood and TV where, where things are sort of left open-ended. Um, Do you have a preference? Okay. I, I don't. I don't really. I think it I think it really depends on this, each situation. In this situation, I, I liked what I saw. I think I would have been a little more bothered... Okay with, but slightly bothered if they had left it more open mm-hmm. um, maybe because of my past and my past relationships, I, I sort of needed an answer from Joel um and I liked that they both saw, okay, there's gonna be a lot of problems
0: <laughs> right
1: i'm I'm gonna find you boring and I'm gonna feel trapped, and I'm gonna want out, and you're gonna find me annoying and psychotic, and he, Jim just goes okay because he's willing to live with it he's willing to live with the bad in order to keep
0: the good i i get that i get that the you know like you had mentioned earlier this is a a kind of a dark emotional movie Mm. but at the end of the day it's a very pessimistic excuse me very optimistic movie because you have these two people that like you said they know it's going to be an uphill battle and they say, you know, listen, love just conquers all. let's just do it. And we're meant for each other. And we came back together after our memories got erased. <laughs> but let's be realistic. Mm-hmm. Every fight they have, you're gonna you're gonna throw out, I knew you were boring. You know, it's kind of like saying you're just like your mother. You know, it's gonna be one of those little yeah. just you can just you know, you can just gouge it. Per- and then you gotta think every fight they have when the person storms out, th- is this it? Is this where the relationship ends? You know, if they yeah. if she kicks him out or he kicks her out, is this it? Am I going to get my memory right? Like, it's going to be constantly on the back of your head. It's not going to See, work. See, the
1: thing is, you're not wrong. You're not
0: wrong. I know. But
1: that's what makes it so beautiful is that they can't help that.
0: They, they can't help it. They know
1: wrong, too. They know it's wrong, too. The
0: galaxy just bringing them together. Here's what I do want to talk about, though. Let's talk about some of the changes from the original script, which I think would have made the movie a little bit better. In the script, Kirsten Dunst's character has an unplanned pregnancy as well. But the doctor talks her into getting rid of before erasing her memory which i think that would have added another layer to that relationship yeah. and kind of increased her anger i think which which they should have left in in my opinion um, yeah, I, the, wonder,
1: I wonder what their motivation was to take it out. I mean, I think it would have fit perfectly.
0: Yeah, probably just cutting down the the, the, the runtime. I would imagine a lot mm-hmm. of times you get you know an initial script that has so many subplots and these threads, and that's why you get these three four hour movies that you know you got to trim down to an hour and a half. You're going to remove complete subplots, which I think that was one of them. Yeah, the the original script featured a cut beginning and end sequences that took place in the future in the end an older clementine comes in to have the procedure done and a look at her screen shows that she's had the procedure done multiple times and all of them involve joel at the end of the script the older joel calls clementine to ask why she hasn't called but the technician performing the procedure erases his message damn i knew it i knew it (laughs)
1: <laughs> also you are you? Fam- it you called i called it, it. well probably because
0: i read that already but um yeah. are you familiar with who ellen pompey is P- pompeo she's the blind girl from red dragon are you familiar with that Crickets. movie <laughs> um i'm trying to think i of know red dragon playing.
1: isn't that the one where oh, fuck what was he say there's a quote my friends say all the time
0: there's only like one other movie she's been in and i forgot what it was but anyway oh. She was supposed to play Naomi, which is Joel's girlfriend before Clementine. Um, she actually wow. had some scenes in the script and was cast, uh, but her scenes were ultimately cut. Also, Tracy Morgan was in the film, um, hmm. but was ultimately cut. Did nothing about what role he played or, or how he contributed to the script, but uh, ultimately Very he was cut. Yeah. Um, one other little tidbit, Clementine's hair colors can be used to help the viewer keep track of where they are on the timeline.
1: Yeah. I noticed that actually recently that her, her hair color has a very specific um, use.
0: Yeah. I got to um, go back and rewatch it now because I didn't know that until after. And I'm curious. She
1: has green, blue, and orange, orange, reddish. Hmm. Um, and she's blue in what is considered the beginning of the movie, but really sort of the present ta- present day, right. present tense. Um, and then I think, God, what was it green for a minute? I'd have to watch it again, but yeah, it it makes sense to me.
0: So Dan, you were on previous seasons. Um, as you may or may not know, our crack team of scientists are constantly trying to revise our questions just to make sure that we're asking the most. Uh, important ones to determine whether or not this is a good movie so mm. here we are
1: scientific american exactly
0: we had a huge uh one-page article in that so that, i appreciate you <laughs> reading that um, tiny font, tiny font. <laughs> uh, so without further ado let's ch- tackle the three questions So question number one, does the progress and rhythm of the movie fit?
1: Wow. That's a tough one because progress and rhythm are something that doesn't necessarily fit with a lot of typical movies. And this one, um, I would venture to say yes. I'm leaning towards yes, because it does progress, just not in the way that you might think. And Mm -hmm. it does have rhythm, just not in the way that you might think it's, in that sense a jazz rhythm
0: yeah no I, I agree with you i think the key to this question is, is does it fit and um it does fit the movie I, I honestly i think the movie told in a more linear uh kind of clearer way isn't going to be as successful part, part of what makes this movie good is this kind of Thrown together, feel almost. You know, it's it's kind of told out of order. It's it's the, even his memories with Clementine are told backwards, and I, and I like that. It kind of gives you this uneasy, like like even though you understand why they're doing it, you just don't feel good about any point of this. I think the point is that
1: you're taking the perspective of, of Joel, mm-hmm. and he wakes up not knowing anything, just like the viewer doesn't know anything, right? And you have to figure it out as as he does.
0: Yeah. I mean, going back to those comments about process, right. Where you ran into Patrick, you're like, you you don't know Patrick either. So you're like, why is this guy here? And are you bothering me? Right. Why is there a giant dent in the side of my car? Oh, we didn't even talk about that. That's a whole great. So you find out they broke up because Clementine got into a, a little fender bender while drinking. Yeah. But when the movie starts off, like I said, Joel wakes up and he goes out to his car he sees this giant debt inside of his car, and then the car next to him, he assumes that's you know, the car right. next to him was a hit him. So he leaves a note on the car yeah. that says thank you, like kind of an yeah. FU. Yeah. Could you imagine being that owner? You come out and you're like, What? Somebody thanking me for something. I don't know.
1: And typical Joel's character is mm-hmm. not to write fuck you. Right. Or how
0: dare you. Very passive aggressive passive aggressive. Thanks. I love it. Uh, Jim Carrey, uh, his He did not have a great experience filming this movie. Um, And actually, I probably shouldn't say it like that. It was a very weird experience. So the director, knowing Jim Carrey is this outlandish kind of crazy guy, um, refused to let him improvise anything. He was not allowed to improvise any lines. Meanwhile, the rest of the cast was allowed to improvise. Um, Jim Carrey was often frustrated while filming, said the director would contradict what he was saying to the other cast members. The director explained that he had to take Kate Winslet to a different room and tell her Go as big as you want. This is a comedy movie. But then he would come back and tell Jim, it's a drama, not a comedy. Stick to the script. Wow. Which I love.
1: I'll also, take balls to be able to handle those two
0: huge people like that. Mm. For sure. And he's, wow. you can see Jim Carrey definitely feels kind of tampered down in this film. Yeah. Um, I will say in 2017 Netflix documentary, Jim and Andy, Jim Carrey mentions a conversation that he had with the director one year before shooting the film. Shortly after Carrie had broken up with an unspecified woman, the director saw that Carrie's emotional state at the time was so, quote, beautiful and broken that he asked Jim to stay that way for one year to fit the character. Jesus. In the documentary, Carrie comments. That's how fucked up this business is.
1: I don't remember that part. It was a great documentary.
0: Um, I got to watch it. I haven't, I haven't seen it oh you haven't oh i know that that when he plays andy kaufman that's kind of like his descent into Mm -hmm. the jim carrey we know now yeah
1: yeah um but wow i didn't i didn't hear that i don't remember that part yeah that makes a lot of sense god damn
0: this director what
1: was the director's name again
0: uh michael gondry i think it's pronounced gondry g-o-n-d-r-y to be able to
1: reel him in like that i mean knowing jim carrey and how big of a personality he was yeah
0: Um, okay, so question number two: What, if any, part of the film speaks to you, and why? there's so many
1: parts. Um, I mean, obviously the the end, you know, where they pretty much say to each other, like, you know, it's okay, let's do this anyways. But I, there was there was a part I think that spoke to me the most: the final memory that is being erased which is really where they met Mm -hmm. at a at a picnic on montauk with friends and family um they meet each other there did you did you notice the whole um my darling clementine part yes where he he did know what it was but then after his memories erased he didn't yeah which is which is great
0: Like yeah. they even erased a song reference yeah. with just the word Clementine in it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and as the whole
1: as they're going through this house that night, they you know, trying to find some wine to drink, trying to chill out, hang out, and nervous, nervous, uh, Joel is just like we shouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. And then he leaves and they're describing because they both remember him leaving, and he says something effective yeah, and I just walked out, and she goes, "Well, I wish you hadn't." And she and he goes, "I know, me too." And it, the weird thing about that is, it wouldn't have changed anything in their relationship. They still ended up together, mm-hmm. right? But again, this is back to that melancholy emo stuff that, for some reason, speaks to me sometimes. Where it's just like the antisocial regret, mm-hmm. like I shouldn't have left that party. I Or I should have gone to that party, but I didn't because I was scared. Erasing these memories of Clementine is not just about erasing the memories of Clementine. It's it's erasing the pain of who you are as a person sometimes.
0: Dan, that was a goddamn deep speech you just gave. Thank you. I'll leave now. <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop right there. This is where Rocco would hit the applause button. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. You know, I didn't think about it like that, but you know, I I am myself a little bit of an introvert. I'm not a big fan of big crowds or gatherings with people I don't know, stuff like that. So, I you know, do you think that there is a part of Joel that is upset with the removal of of the the extrovert part of his of his relationship with her? Like maybe not so much her herself but just what she was able to get him to do. I mean, she gives this big speech of like, don't put your shit on me, but to some extent, you know, when you're in a relationship with, you know, with somebody for two years, she kind of had to have pulled him out of his hole, at least a little bit. So do you think there's some fear there that he, without her is going to wind up back in that hole? Yes.
1: That's a, that's a fine point because (laughs) that's what character development is. It happens in movies and it happens in real life. You're not the same person you were 2 years ago after dating someone good or bad. Right. You learn things from those from those mistakes. And hopefully you become a better person and I think you're right. He's regretting that, you know. Once I lose all these memories, I learn how to get over some
0: of my fears. Right. Wow, that was deep. Um all right, question number 3 and the returning question, what is the most important sequence in the movie? So many sequences
1: that are important, but I do think it's on the ice. Kate Winslet, uh, Clementine, Ooh. bolts straight up and goes, this ain't right. I've, I've got to get out of here. I've got to do something. When, when um, Noah, what's his name? I'm, I was saying Noah Wiley. Wow, that's an old reference. Elijah Wood's character? Elijah Patrick? Wood. P- Patrick says that line. Wow. She just goes, Mm-mm. something's yeah. not right here. I've got to move on. God, I'd really have to think about that more. I, to be honest with you, I didn't think you were doing that question anymore.
0: <laughs> yeah, we brought it back. It's considered um, a pretty important question. It's like you know, it's like Delta variant. It just comes back around and yeah, can never get rid of it. Can't help um, it. I will say, from my opinion, most important sequence has got to be the reveal that Mary gets from the doctor, which is crazy. I mean, this goes back to my whole comment about Jim and Kate not being the stars of the movie because. Right realistically if mary doesn't find out that she was brainwashed you know from the doctor if her memory wasn't erased yeah. she doesn't give out the files and these two just carry on with relationship 2.0 without any knowledge of what happened previously let me ask you this question Ooh, i got a good That's one true. you're the friend you're david cross you're you're rob you know and you see these two assholes together again knowing they both got you know their memories erased do you yeah. say something? Do you let it happen?
1: Great question. Full disclosure, David Cross is my, hands down, all-time favorite stand-up comedian. He's your spirit animal. I could see it. So, <laughs> so anything he's in, I'm immediately grinning. Um, and I grew up idolizing Jim Carrey. So, like for these two to be in the same film is bizarre to me. <laughs> Do I, in his shoes, tell my buddy what the fuck is going on and i gotta be honest yeah i think i do i think it's to be honest i think it's a little reckless as a plot line um and i know that you're supposed to suspend a certain amount of judgment realistically speaking you can't just erase one person in the relationship the other person's gonna end up being like why the fuck are you ignoring me low there's going to be cops involved right so it's going to be messy you know imagine if jim's character joel imagine if he wasn't such a pushover yeah, could he you have imagine been screaming he would have been throwing books
0: all over that library so you're getting 20 years this is your third charge for domestic abuse like, right. what, third like, what you've yeah. been arrested before so i i think it
1: is important that i think i think the whole company should have told him i think they said hey
0: she erased you. You can't go near her, dude. Yeah, that's a good point. A lot they, of money. They send the cards out to everybody, but him like right. the his friend has to tell him like Clementine did this, which like you said, I, I he's got to be on the list of people. You're notifying. Right. Hmm. But of course for the movie to work. Yeah, we'll suspend that. Okay. Yeah. So that's, that's it. That's the three questions on a scale of one to 10, one being horrible and 10 being a masterpiece. What rating do you give this movie 8.5 8.5 wow that's pretty high
1: yeah i i would have said nine but you know masterpiece is masterpiece i think as a whole i think a lot of people might struggle with this movie you know for me personally i loved it um but because it is so fucking dark and sad Mm -hmm. (laughs) you can't watch it all the time (laughs) you know um so that's going to take some points and and like i said there's some logistical issues that bother me about that it's a beautiful concept but realistically that's not going to work i mean the the science behind the whole erasing someone's brain memory to this day memory and brain scientists will tell you that they don't exactly know where memory is stored in the brain it's kind of all over the place so that's hard to say you just
0: take a hammer and just tap around yeah and and
1: again those things of like this is obviously some sort of proprietal science. He's this company, this doctor is the only one doing it, so it's clearly in its infancy, right? And yeah. yet these these people are dancing on his fucking bed.
0: <laughs> I do love that they don't they don't go into much detail. Like you get the sense that this company is essentially like five people, right. and that it's not major headlines. In fact, nobody really even knows about the company until Clementine gets the procedure done. Right. And I would think something like this is going to be all over the news. And and, exactly. um, But like you said, there is a certain amount of suspension you get to do in order to, uh, to appreciate the movie. I will say this, me personally, 7.5. I think this is a very good movie. Definitely worth a watch. It's not a waste of time by any means. Mm -hmm. Um, It is kind of sad. 90% of the movie, but it ends on a positive note. These two guys or these two, you know, kids, are so in love that they they end <laughs> up finding each other through darkness, and I it's a good ending. So um, yeah, seven point five. All right. So I'll now play. on to everybody's game. Guess that tomato. So we got a little bit of a, of a wrench thrown in there, because like you yeah. said, um, if you watch us on Peacock, it does give you the ratings. Do you remember what they were? So it only it gave a tomato and it gave a little popcorn symbol.
1: I don't know what the popcorn symbol was. Okay. Uh, the tomato rating was a 92, but that
0: didn't tell me whether that was critics or uh, viewers. Okay. So let's let's continue on then. Let's let's give this a shot. Uh, do you right. want to go with the ninety two, or are you going to uh, to make your own guess?
1: I see now. I would assume that the ninety two is maybe an average. Ooh, uh, you know, I don't know. So I'll say because it did so well in the theaters, and because it was so unique and emo, it was two thousand four when people you know, were seeing this. They they probably went higher. They probably gave it a, 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 you know a ninety six. And, you know, critics probably went lower.
0: All right. So you're going with a 96. Um, So usually I'll give you the critic score. I'm not going to do that in this case because I don't want to spoil anything. Um, I will tell you there's a little bit of a difference between the three movies you're going to get. These three movies are going to be plus or minus two points of the actual audience score of Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind. The twist here is the three movies you're going to get are in the categories of the good, the bad and the ugly. Here we go. The good Stanley Kubrick's 1968, 2001, a space odyssey. Why is it good? This movie is a complete mindfuck. Have you seen this movie? Uh, no. Made only. in 1968. You have I to agree. watch the movie at least 17 times before you actually <laughs> like it. Truth be told, uh, a, me and a good friend of mine are huge movie buffs. And he uh, had a book. that was like the 500 greatest movies to watch. This movie's in there, Stanley Kubrick. I mean, of course, fine. Well, we rented it, we watch it. I'm not kidding you when I tell you the first time I watched this movie, I'm sitting there on this couch. We haven't said a single word for two hours, and the credits are rolling. And I turn to him, and I'm like, "The fuck did we just watch?" There is no no speaking at all in the first thirty minutes of the movie, or in the last like twenty minutes of the movie. It is insane. Stanley Kubrick was on complete acid when he when he did this movie. If you watch the movie a total of seventeen times, it becomes really good, okay, so that's why this movie's the good that's why that's the good Got movie you. number two I
1: saw I saw Clockwork Orange or at least most of it, and I had too much anxiety.
0: I didn't like it yeah that. he's a it, it, he's intense. a fascinating movie career to watch. If you ever get the chance to watch a documentary on Stanley Kubrick, do it because it okay. is, it'll change your, your view on film. I'm writing that down, write it down. Uh, the bad Robert De Niro's 1988's midnight run. Why is it bad? This is a comedy. L- let me repeat that. Robert De Niro, 1980s. Robert De Niro yeah. is the lead in a comedy where he plays a bounty hunter. Spoiler. Robert De Niro is not at his comedy peak here. Yeah, <laughs> This movie is atrocious and I don't understand how it's on anybody's. It's, it shows up on so many lists of great movies. It's not a great movie. I recommend not watching it. And movie Taxi, number three. Taxi Driver was pretty good. Taxi, number, Ta- Taxi Driver was, was great. Yeah. It's also really. It, watch Taxi Driver and then watch Bizarre. The Joker right afterwards. Because Joaquin Phoenix said he he based a lot of his. Uh, motivation for the Joker on Taxi Driver. among Oh, wow. didn't know. Okay, that makes sense. Wow. And lastly, the ugly, Jake Gyllenhaal's 19, or excuse me, 2014's Nightcrawler. Why is this ugly? Jake Gyllenhaal lost 30 pounds to play the role. It's dark. It's disturbing. And it makes you question where the line between the news makers and the news reporters really lies. Have you seen Nightcrawler? No, I have not.
1: All these movies I haven't seen.
0: It's a very weird movie. Definitely worth a watch. It's strange. It's dark. Uh, I would say it's borderline horror movie, to be honest with you, but it's it's worth a watch. And and so these these three movies
1: came within plus or minus two or three points? Two points, yep. Plus two or minus points two points. Of the critic score? Of the audience score. Of the audience score. See the, the hm. That's hard to say. Context is everything here. I I'm gonna well, I mean, because I know it's a ninety-two, but I did say the audience score was probably higher. I'm going to bump it down to a ninety-three.
0: The correct answer is ninety-four. Okay, it was a ninety-two and a ninety-four. You so said the popcorn is the audience score. Ah, oh. it is. It is. Yeah. Wow. Ninety-two is a critic score, which is crazy. I mean, I do want to give a shout out to the critics for finally after three seasons um being within two points of the audience score. I don't think I've ever seen that. Okay. Critics and like audience
1: Dango like. score or some bullshit. Like, don't watch it. <laughs> no one watches. Don't get out of here.
0: <laughs> Listen, Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind. I recommend it. It's a good movie. Dan, great pick, man. Thank you. So be have to make the top ten. We'll we'll see that it it'll come at the end of season three on our YouTube channel. Check out for that before I let you go into plugging all the amazing things you're doing. Uh, it's a firm belief of the owners. That don't forget a towel that everybody geeks out on something while it may not be movies and comic books. Maybe it's a, you know, racing your, your exes from your memory or getting your secretary pregnant. So I got to ask you, Dan, what is it you're geeking out on? You know, I, I last time I said it was the Cowboys. I think
1: now more so I'm geeking out on the science of what's happening Um in our social, political, and medical worlds. I think, you know, I, I, I don't want to get on a soapbox because I know that Rock was very good at doing that, um, but uh, we have a limited amount of time here, but wearing a mask is not an infringement on your civil liberties. Um, the vaccine is safe. You already have a ton of vaccines in your body. Um, the vaccine was developed In the fucking eighties, these—I'm not going to say that people who don't want to get the vaccine or are vaccine hesitant are crazy or are wrong. No, you can say that. You can say that they're crazy, but there, there's but there's cultural reasons sometimes for vaccine hesitancy, and
0: and I and I want to be sensitive to those. Oh, stop it! You don't want to be sensitive. Here's the annihilation of that argument. Ready? Yeah. In one fell swoop, do you eat McDonald's, Burger King, Wendy's? I mean, I do. Do you care at all about what's in that meat? If you can even call it that Taco Bell can't legally call their meat ground beef. And yet you go there to the drive-thru, but God forbid (laughs) you get shot with a vaccine. Are you kidding me right now? These are the same people that are shopping at Walmart at dollar cookie aisle, which don't get me wrong. Listen, I have no issue with that. I have no issue with you, your personal right to stuff your face at McDonald's, but you can't use that as an argument. I don't, I got to make sure I'm putting safe stuff in my body, but only in this one instance, because everything else you shove in your face. It's like I know, but there's, there is historical
1: reference here of African-Americans in this country being literally mistreated by the medical
0: community. Oh, for a 100%. Listen, I am the first person, especially as prior military, that will sit there and defend your right to question the government because the government yeah. has done some shady effing shit in the past. Absolutely. Absolutely. But we're not talking about. Military leaders that are coming out on the news and saying, take this drug. We're talking about professional doctors across many different aspects, many different even, practices, religious leaders. The first
1: 10 people that took it. Right. Millions have taken Millions it. all across the world. Fine.
0: <laughs> it's not even just the, the American government. This would, be, this would be a conspiracy on a scale we have never even right. considered. To what? Eliminate all of the world's people? And, and, and at what point? seven years after we take it 12 right. people, years after
1: we take it the nba is afraid of losing games in china right like you think that they want to eliminate all these people you're out of your mind Crazy. so that's what i'm geeking out about it when people say stupid things i'm around them i tend to bite my tongue just try and give them a little bit of science behind it you know hey you know what uh, you know they just came up with a vaccine That's that's what you think but in reality Scientists were developing it in the 80s -hmm. and it's sort of a plug and play type of thing, you know, MNRA or whatever it's called, messenger RNA, mRNA, sorry, Um, you know, and and it was basically there ready to use when this pandemic came out. So I don't care if they give me, if they say, hey, every six months you're going to have to get a booster. Fine. If it means living a normal life, then fine. I'll take a shot every six months. Yeah, for sure. I got to go to the dentist. I got to go to the dentist every six months and get jabbed in the fucking (laughs) bone. Right.
0: I don't mind a shot. It's fine. I don't mind a shot. Okay. So that's what I'm doing now. That's awesome, man. Listen, I appreciate you so much being on the show. Please tell the folks where they
1: can hear your beautiful voice again. They can hear me and my disgusting counterpart, Rocco, on Critical Mass Podcast, available for download and streaming
0: on any network you can find. And as always, check out Gutsy Media Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Dan, thanks so much for being on the show, man. Great movie choice. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Bob. Take care. All right.